one-to-one is, uh, is going to be a, like a seven-week series that we're going to do. And really, it's about the basics of Christianity. It's about the foundational things that we believe. And, um, and really what it is, it's to clarify the discipleship process. All right, whenever we receive Jesus, we, we enter into this, this process, okay? And it's this journey, and so we want to clarify that, but we also want to provide you guys with a tool to go out and disciple other people, all right? That is what we're called to do. If you came last month and, and listened to Missional, you know that the Great Commission is for every single one of us, all right, to, to go out and make disciples, spread the truth of the gospel to every, every nation, all right, our friends, our family. And, uh, and so we wanted to give you guys something to kind of walk away with that you can read for yourself, but you can also go over with other people. And it's, an actually, it's actually an app. So if you want to write it down or look it up right now, it's called, uh, not that. That is not what it's called. It's called one-to-one. Look up at the top left. There it is. One-to-one. Type that in, and uh, it's a discipleship app. And we're going to be going down each point. Today's about salvation, all right? But, but that's what we're going to be going over. And so if you want to download that, you can kind of follow along. Uh, we're going to be going over pretty much every single point that's listed in that app. But here's the deal. It's a great thing to be able to use for yourself as well as other people that you're working with uh, and discipling. Maybe somebody's got some questions. You can sit down over lunch, over coffee. Man, download this app. Let's read this together and go over that. That's a crazy idea, huh? All right? And, uh, but, but it's really something that's going to be extremely helpful. But that's what we're doing, one-to-one. Today's about salvation. And uh, so getting into this message, I want to pray first. This, this subject is, um, is a... We say salvation a lot. We talk about salvation a lot, but it is one of the most—it's um, one of the most controversial things on the planet. How are you saved? Is it real in the first place? You know, what do you believe about salvation? How you know? How am I supposed to act? How am I supposed to be? What does all this look like? And um, there's a lot of confusion around what salvation is, what it should look like. All right, and uh, and so I want the Holy Spirit to do what only He can do because I can say a lot of words, but if it doesn't bear witness, if the Holy Spirit doesn't drill deep inside our hearts, then it's just a bunch of this up here, head knowledge, and and that doesn't last very long. All right, so let's pray. Lord, we come before you right now, and and God, I'm asking for clarity in this room. God, I pray that everything that I say would uh, communicate uh, truth, Father, but that you would confirm truth in the heart of every believer here. God, that the things that we talk about today would produce repentance, not, not religion. God, we pray for a relationship to be birthed in the hearts of those who do not have it right now. But God, we pray for clarity. We pray for truth to reign. God, for, t- for us to, to not fall into legalism or, or liberalism, but God, to be gospel-centered and to be focused in on you and what you're trying to communicate to us as your people, as your children. We love you and we thank you for your grace and your love for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. So this process of discipleship, it's, it's three words. The first word is justification. Second word, sanctification. Third word is glorification. And justification 
is an instant event. And that's really what we're going to talk about today, salvation, justification. We're going to spend a lot of time there, but I do want to mention the others. So, so justification, instant event in being reconciled with Jesus. It's where your sins are forgiven, righteousness is, is imputed into your life, you're given the righteousness of Jesus. It's this great, awesome thing, okay? It's why Jesus died ultimately, okay? And, uh, but then there's this thing of sanctification, and this is where we're being set apart for the, the plans, the purpose of God, okay, we're, we're, it's life. This is where we live in the process of sanctification, being set apart from the world. Uh, this is a lifelong thing, it, it, and it's not complete until we're, we're dead. So if you think that it gets any easier, uh, Welcome to Christianity. You know, this is it, man. We are being sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Uh, and then glorification is one day whenever the dead in Christ rise and that somehow, some way, that's gonna, hey, just go read your Bible about that one, all right? <laughs> we don't know what that's gonna look like exactly except for what we read in the Bible. But today we're gonna spend a lot of time on justification, like I said. And I wanna kind of delineate between justification and sanctification. Uh, and so I think we got it for the, for the screen, but justification is a, is a legal standing before God. Sanctification is an internal condition. Justification is once and for all time. Sanctification is continuous throughout life. Justification is entirely God's work, which is huge to realize that. We're going to spend a lot of time talking about that today. Sanctification is where we cooperate. We co-labor together with God. Justification is perfect, perfected in this life. Sanctification is not, not perfected in this life, all right? Justification is the same in all Christians. That's what I love about it. We're all in the same exact uh, playing field like we talked about a while ago. Sanctification is greater in some than in others. Sanctification looks different for other people. Again, greater levels of sanctification doesn't mean greater levels of salvation or justification. It just means that, that maybe you're progressing a little bit differently than somebody else around you, okay? And so um, there's a lot of misunderstanding about this, uh, and there's where a lot of people fall into abusing God's grace, which is, hey, I'm good, I said a prayer, one time when I was like eight, and uh, I haven't lived according to anything that's in scripture whatsoever, but I'm justified. I said that, that prayer. And this is where men have fought for centuries about you know, losing salvation and all this kind of stuff, and, and honestly, there is no perfect answer, and I'm not gonna offer you a perfect answer. Um, I feel that if we're trying to find that line personally, uh, that maybe we're on the wrong road in the first place. If I'm trying to see how, how far from God I can live, but yet still be justified, I, I don't know. I think that that's kind of a wrong, uh, maybe, that, maybe the, the faith isn't working properly, okay? And so, so there is definitely a, a warning in the Bible about abusing God's grace, and so that's something that we have to definitely prayerfully approach in our individual lives. But, um, but justification, I want to read in 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 18. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. So we're a new creation. Once we receive Jesus, we're a new creation. It's a fresh start. And that's great news, right? It's great news if we understand why we need to start over. You know, why do we need to become a new creation? And um, 
I think the problem for, for a lot of people is that they don't realize that they're actually lost and undone and separated from God in the first place, right? Some of you, you might have been in that place before where you actually didn't really feel that anything was, was wrong. See, because we have to watch out for a, a major trap, and, and that's the deception of being good versus being righteous, Two totally different things, being God or being godly, being, being good or being righteous are, are two different things. And uh, it's a place of deception. It's a, it's a place that you could get stuck in. And the problem is that if you begin to live life and walk this thing out with Jesus on the side of I'm trying to be really good, then you are barking up the wrong tree because it has nothing to do with that. How you look to God has nothing to do with how you are acting. Now, many of us right there were like, oh, hold on, hold on. Today, we're talking about justification, not sanctification. We will get to sanctification in the next few weeks because it matters. But right now, we're talking about, we're talking about salvation, all right? And so, so today, if I say things that seem a little bit lopsided, Bear with me, okay? All right, let's, let's really talk about salvation because if we can't fully embrace the grace of God, we're never gonna be able to live properly before him because we have this works mentality where I really wanna be good, all right? We know it as religion, all right? Rote, routine, rules, and we, and we get caught in that very easily because we're humans and that's how we think. That's how we judge each other is how we act and we can't start with that. We have to start with something completely different that's outside of our control. But we have to watch out for this deception. Uh, you know, this doesn't equate to a, a license to sin, all right? Some, uh, if you've been in church for a long time, you've heard these, these statements. You know what, you know what they mean. Uh, like I said earlier, I think if that's our goal, is to see how much we can get away with that maybe we're, we're on the wrong tree altogether, all, all okay? So let's t we're going to answer a question today. Why do we need salvation? Why do we need it? Why do we need to become a new creation in the first place? All right? So let's talk about the problem. The problem is that it's separation from God because of sin. This is why we need salvation. First off is we have a major problem. We're separated from God. Nothing we can do about it. We're separated from God. There is an immeasurable gap between God and man. And our best attempt as people as churches, as nations, our best attempt at filling that gap and getting up to where God's at is religion. That's the best that we can do. Lay out a bunch of rules, attain those rules, and then we can check that off the list. That's the best that we can do. And that's not what God wants us to do. It'd be like getting married and saying, hey, give me a list of things that I need to do in order to make my, my wife happy, all right? And I will just do those, and then we'll be good. There's no like, flesh in that. There's no connection in that. There's no relationship in that. And I'm sure all you women would be like, you know what? If that's how you feel about it, then fine. You know what I'm saying? That's how, how you react. But man, it comes to Jesus, and it comes to, to God, and, and yet we, we have this feel that like, I'm just gonna do a bunch of stuff and then I'm okay. And there's no relationship, there's no connection there. But there's this gap and our best attempts is religion. And it's, the separation is not physical or intellectual, all right? It's, it's not something that we can really just learn a lot about in order to overcome. 
meditation and knowledge can't fix it. People try. See, I think one of the major problems is whenever we get justification and sanctification mixed up, we try to use sanctification to get to justification. And whenever we do that in our minds and in our hearts, it's, it's flip-flopped. It's the, it's the cart before the horse, right? It's supposed to be the other way around. And so, so we get caught up in these patterns of thinkings and, uh, thinking, and, 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 and we try to, to get to know knowledge of God and knowledge of church and knowledge of things whenever we don't know the source of it. And it gets very confusing and frustrating. So what causes the separation between God and man? Isaiah 59, 1 and 2. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, or his ear dull that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you, so that he does not hear you. So this separation that we're talking about is a moral separation. Basically, God's holy man is not. God is good. Man is not. God is just, man is not. And there's nothing that we can do to change that. There's no level of effort that is going to close that gap anymore. There's nothing. It's, it's just the way it is. And so all men have sinned, therefore all are eternally separated from God. Now whenever we say separated from God, right now on this earth we mean one thing, but whenever we say eternally separated from God, that's where we mean hell. We believe in hell at Northwood Church. There's a lot, of, a lot of places nowadays that don't believe in hell. We believe in the scripture that hell is real and that it is a place that you go if you don't know God, if you're still living that life of separation. There's not repentance, right? So, but God is holy, man is not. And so all will suffer the consequences of sin, which is eternal death. And we read this, Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. It's plain and clear. It's, it's all out there. It's a major problem. There's this separation caused by sin, separated from God. And this sin nature, this, this problem of sin has been inherited all the way back. You can trace it all the way back to Adam and Eve. That's right. We're going to pick on Adam and Eve again. All right? We got our go-to people that we like to blame for things. But it's true. Adam and Eve... They sin before God, and, uh, and since then, everyone has been born with this sin nature. We, we like to say this a lot, uh, dogs, dogs bark, cats meow, and sinners sin. I was never taught to sin, all right? None of us in this room have been taught to sin, all right? I, never, I, I just never had to teach my, my four-year-old to lie. It just naturally took place, you know? It's just, boom, there it is. Wow, there she's lying. She's lying. Great, you know? <laughs> Man, it's, it's really happening because it's natural. It's like growing up in America, you know, uh, maybe you grew up in a family where, where everybody just spoke English, all right? I had to kind of revert on that because I know not everybody just grew up in an English home, but I grew up in a place where there's just English. Everybody spoke English. I didn't have to try to learn English. I'm, I, I mean, yes, eventually I did, but, you know, I just grew up in it, man. I just knew how to speak English. My little girl, she just speaks English. A lot of times it's really messed up. She made up a word the other day. She said it, and it rhymed with something else that was really bad. And so we were like, what are you trying to say? And it ended up being a completely different word, but it was like, you know. But I didn't have to teach her English. It naturally was there. And we don't have to be taught the language of sin. It's just there. It's just natural because it got passed down generation after generation from Adam. Psalm 51.5 
Behold, I was brought forth in a state of iniquity. My mother was sinful who conceived me, and I too am sinful. It's just the way it is. We're just born into this separation. That's the problem. So with that, what's, what's the solution? Let's spend more time talking about the solution than the problem, right? The solution, the, sh- the short answer is Jesus. And everybody knew that, right? And we were in church. What's the solution, Jesus? Back to Sunday school. You know, read your Bible and pray more. It's just, it's just what you're supposed to do. But we're going we're gonna to open this up a little bit. Jesus as our sacrifice and our substitution. See, the justice of God demands a sacrifice for man's sin. God is just. He's holy. So there's this sin problem, and God's justice demands a payment for it. There must be something that takes place to pay for that. And uh, ultimately, Jesus became that sacrifice and paid that penalty for the sin at our cross, but at the cross. But if we go back, and, and I tell you, one thing I love to do is look at the first mention of something in the Bible. The first mention of a sacrifice. And again, we go back to Adam and Eve, where we, we see what happens. Adam and Eve, it says some really strange things about how they lived life before sin entered the world. They would walk in the garden naked. That's weird right there. Done. You know, weird enough story already. But they would walk with God. They would, they would commune and fellowship with God. And just, I don't even, I can't comprehend that right there. There was just this total openness and there was total innocence. And then you know the story, the serpent, the devil, slurs on up, right? And then he, he convinces them to, to take a bite of, of the, the, the fruit of the knowledge, of the, of the tree of the knowledge of the good and evil. And at that moment, something happened. And there's this place where you see Adam and Eve, they, they're shameful and they go and they hide in the garden. And you know how with your kids, whenever you hear them say something that you, you're like, I didn't teach you that. I didn't. I didn't tell you. Where did you hear that from? This is what happens. Adam and Eve, Adam says, we, we knew we were naked and we wanted to hide from you. And God's like, who told you this? Wait, that didn't come from me. Did you, did, you do, did you do what I said not to do? And there was instant shame. It's the first time we see it. There's shame. And you know what they did is they went and they, they made some clothes out of fig leaves to try to cover up their nakedness and cover up their shame. And of course, fig leaves, I'm sure, make horrible clothes. And so, uh, so God, what he did is he took an animal. I, I would assume it's a lamb, but he took an animal, sacrifices it, takes the skin, makes clothes, and he places it on them and he covers their, their, their shame. It's the first time we see something having to die in order to make a way for that shame and that sin to be covered. God didn't just leave them there naked and and shameful. Immediately, he went into action. And that's the first time we see that, this awesome picture of of God saying, "I, I don't want you to remain there. So then all through the Old Testament, we see that same pattern of sacrifice and, and blood being shed to pay for the sins of, of people. But then that wasn't good enough. It, it didn't really take care of, of the whole kit and caboodle. You know, it, it didn't really like, like satisfy. And this is where we see Jesus come. God is holy, righteous, and just, and sin had to be punished. But since he is loving and compassionate, he did not want all of mankind to be eternally separated from him. 
So Jesus was the divine solution to this gap. He's it. He's the solution. Hebrews 9, 26 and 28 through 28. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once and for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. Thank God for the sacrifice of Jesus. And also for the, the substitution that took place. We, we call this the great exchange. Because at the cross, some things happen that we need to say. He took our place and our punishment, right? His righteousness for our sin and our curse for his blessings. Jesus, who knew no sin, hung on a cross. And you see this moment on the cross where he, he just took, you can imagine him feeling the weight and the separation from God that he had never had before. But he took that for us. It's kind of like being in a courtroom. You guys have heard the illustration before. It's kind of like you're on trial. You're sitting there. Judgment's come. You've been sentenced to death. You're wrong. This is it. And it's almost like Jesus just walks out the crowd from the back and just says, hold up, I got this. Don't worry. I'm going to take your punishment. I'm going to go and endure that for you because I want you to be free. I want to give you the, 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 the opportunity to be free. We got to realize this. We have to put ourselves where we really need to be, which is hopeless without Jesus. 2 Corinthians 5.21, for our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. I just want to explain that real quick, in him. We sang a song a while ago that's talking about being in Christ. Just like I said a while ago about the lamb, uh, the skin being taken and, and clothing, clothing Adam and Eve, the Bible correlates that to us being in Christ. It's like we put Christ's righteousness on us and it covers us, okay? Now, us putting on our own righteousness, our own works, okay, trying to prove our righteousness through how good we are or whatnot, it's, uh, Paul, you know, talks about it as filthy rags and, and there's, there's other things that, it's just not, it's not, it's not cutting the mustard, all right, your actions, how good you are. I don't know how many of you watch Walking Dead, but you know, they put that jacket on of all the, you know, the, the guts so they're not smell. I'm not gonna go into details about it, but if you watch it, you know what I'm talking about. You're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's pretty gross. <laughs> but honestly, that's what, that's what we look like whenever we try to come before God and say, hey, God, look how good I've been. All right, yeah, I was doing that, but look, look, now, now look at me. And it's just, no, that's not. See, whenever we try to circumvent the process of justification, we end up lost and confused and in deception. And it just doesn't work like that. There's only one way. There's only one way to God. It's through the cross of Jesus. That's it. And it says more are going to go another way. More are going to go the, the wide path. Many are going to try to find another way to a God or something. But the Bible is very specific that Jesus is the way. His blood is the atonement for our sin. There's no way of getting around that. 
So what's the result of this? The result is salvation and reconciliation. Forgiveness of sins and, it, and eternal life. Heaven. We sang about that a while ago as well. In case you don't know, we don't plan our songs with our series. All right. I know what they're doing. I know exactly what's it now. It's totally separate, but I loved how from the get-go today, I was like, man, this is, this is what I'm preaching. And because uh, it's good news. But forgiveness of sins and eternal life being restored to right standing and given new life as his children. I want to read three scriptures. First is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Ephesians 1.7-8. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. Ephesians 2, 13 and 14. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. In case you haven't realized, it didn't say anything about us in here. It didn't say, like, because of God and because of you, it's just all Jesus. It's all God. It's all his idea. It's all his plan. We got to realize this when we're talking about justification. It's all God. Because he loved us. He sent his son Jesus to die for us. Not because he was looking at your effort but because he wanted to make a way. See, God did 99.9% of the work for justification. I mean, he, he did it all. He set it all up. He set it all up to see what the response would be. And the response can be that we receive salvation by faith. We receive salvation whenever we stop trusting ourselves. Whenever you break before God and you surrender your heart to him, really what you're saying is, God, I trust you with my eternity. I'm putting my faith and my trust in you, God. I'm not reserving anything for myself. And the thing that the scripture says is that a broken and a contrite heart, God never denies he sees that sincerity, and this great thing happens. Salvation. Romans 10, 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. This is a big verse. This wraps everything up. For by grace you have been saved through faith. By grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works. Because guess what? If it's, if it's because of our works, we would be prideful and boast about it. Y'all know it. Amen. Let's be honest. But because it isn't because of our works, no man can boast I love the church 
It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how prestigious you are. When we come together, even playing field. Because whenever we all realize the state of our nature and the state of our life and the result without Jesus, pride immediately leaves. Spiritual pride can't be found. Because I don't look at somebody and point a finger with anger and hatred in my heart. I realize that what God did for me, he can do for another person, and I want them to have the same experience. Religion produces pride, relationship. There's humility just found in it, compassion and love. Jesus walked about with with all the sinners and all the bad people, and continually you see him talk up, and and, and, uh, it says Jesus was moved with compassion. Let that be the mark of us because of justification before Jesus. Let that be our reaction. Let that be the feel in this church, one of compassion and love for people because we're all in the same boat. We're separated from God without Jesus. Let's bow our heads today. I wanna give an opportunity for everyone in this room to receive salvation. And I wanna ask a few questions. Number one, have you stopped trusting in yourself and started trusting in Christ alone for salvation? Have you had that moment where you truly said, God, I trust you? Where something just kinda, it changed on the inside? Have you turned away from, from sin? Have you turned away from all known sin? Have you confessed Jesus as the Lord and master of your life? And are you willing to follow and obey him for the rest of your life? For some of you, this is your moment. This is everything in your life has come to this moment. And you, you try to figure it out. And maybe you've, you've been the one that you've put that sanctifying process before justification. And so you've been trying really hard and you, you pray every night before you go to bed. Say a quick prayer. But it's not real and you're just stuck in frustration, and you realize today, man, I really haven't actually really trusted God. I'm trying to do good and be good instead of letting God clothe me with the righteousness of Jesus. So if you're in that place today, I wanna give you an opportunity. We're not gonna bring you up to the front of the room or do anything like that, but One thing that we like to do is give people an opportunity to raise their hand because there is something about whenever you admit, yes, I need this. I need to be justified through Christ. So right now, if that's you, I want to pray with you. If that's you, go ahead and lift up your hand right now. See over here, three, four, five, six. Another one over here. I need Jesus. I need to be justified. Amen. I'm going to pray for those who lifted their hand right now. Just agree with me as I I say this prayer. Father, I come before you, separated from you by my sin. God, I recognize that today. And Jesus, I put 
my trust in you, in you alone. God, I ask for you to forgive me of my sin. God, would you please not count that towards me anymore? Wipe my heart clean by your grace and your love. I receive the free gift of salvation right now. And God, I love you. I thank you for Jesus. Thank you for accepting me into your family and calling me your own. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now look, before we close up, I want to talk to the rest of you. I want to, I, I want to talk just real quick about this trap that we spoke about. Because as we are Christians and as we are progressing in this, this walk, we can easily fall back into a religious mindset. We can easily fall back into a, I'm justified by my works, not by God's grace. Very easily. All right? Today we're talking about justification. And if we begin to live life like that, we will get caught in a religious mindset. It might not play out with other people. It'll play out in our prayers. It'll play out in how we read scripture. And instead of being convicting and redemptive, we begin to live a, con a life of condemnation. And there's no good fruit out of that. So look, I wanna encourage you. If you feel like maybe you've kinda gotten these, these, these wires crossed, begin to seek God. Begin to pray that he would reset, recalibrate your heart and your mind to read scripture from a pure standpoint through the blood of Jesus, not your own, all right? Not your own effort. It's very important, all right? I'm 31 and I grew up in church and, and this right here has been one of the major battles in my life, major battles, because you just, all of a sudden you just realize that you're looking at yourself instead of looking at Jesus and then things get crossed up and then you start trying really hard and that's frustrating. I, I hate whenever I'm living for God based upon my actions, all right? And I look at, at, at my worth through that lens. Again, we're talking about justification today. There's more to this story. I want to encourage you to come back next week as we continue. We talk about lordship. And uh, so this thing is progressive. All right? Let's not just be professing Christians. Let's be progressing Christians. Amen? If you just made that decision, let me be the first to say congratulations. The decision to follow Christ is just the beginning of your relationship with God. So we'd love to help you with your next steps. If you'll go to northwood.tv connect and fill out the online information card, our lead pastor, Van Decote wants to send you a letter that tells you some more steps to take that'll help you maintain your new relationship with God. We're one church in multiple locations. We have a campus in Gulfport, Wiggins, and in Long Beach, Mississippi. If you live in one of these areas, we'd love to see you at one of our services. You can visit our website, northwood.tv, for service times and locations. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do that online as well. Just go to northwood.tv slash give or simply text the amount you'd like to give to 228-215-3421. Again, that's 228-215-3421. Standard data rates and text charges may apply. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you next time.